Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman. You can find me on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. Welcome. As we dive deeper into the offseason, welcome to the dead period, which is my least favorite time of the year. The weather might be nice outside, but uh, I need football. So uh, just want to let you know we're going to be sticking around and still posting weekly podcasts, sometimes bi-weekly but uh, it's a dead period. The NFL players and coaches are kind of dispersed. They are no longer working out. Mini camps are done. All Everything's done. Just waiting until training camp. So what we have for you today, we are going to be going over our question satchel mailbag. You know, I put it up to people on Twitter and just want to say thanks to Brett. He He's legit. One of the fellow writers over at 49ers Hub, uh, Brett Roomback. He came up with the idea of question satchel. I hate how... Every podcast seems to use the term mailbag, so I want to do something a little bit different. And so that's what we're going to do. Yeah, a lot of questions submitted. We're going to go over those one by one. And then also at the end of the episode, we are going to be going over the odds that Vegas has set, most in particular. They're different everywhere you look. Caesars, what they have put out there for things like MVP, win totals, offensive rookie of the year. And we are going to kind of tailor that and focus just on 49ers, offensive MVP, things like that. So lots of questions and answers, and then we are going to jump into some odds. And again, just to update your calendar on kind of what's going on, training camp cannot start until 15 days before our first preseason game. So our first preseason game is August 10th versus the Dallas Cowboys. So if you subtract 15 days from that, that's around July 27th. So uh, they still have not put out the exact day that they are going to start. July 27th is the earliest. So it could start after that, but you know there's a set number of practices and weeks that you could do, and you could spread that out and customize that how you want. They just haven't uh, formed that yet. So we still have some time. We're looking at just over five weeks before we get back to football. So, man, uh, hopefully I can help shrink that time down for you guys. And, of course, the very first game of the season that matters is going to be September 8th at Tampa Bay. So excited about that. So those are the dates that you need to keep. Just your eye on July 27th training camp, August 10th preseason, and September 8th is going to be the first regular season game, and then you can't get enough of me. Uh, I will be doing two to three podcasts a week once the season starts. I'm excited just thinking about it. So without further ado, let's jump into the question satchel. What a wonderful phrase. (laughs) Every time I say it, I laugh. All right, first one is from Alex G, and this is not just an Alex G question. I I put it... I attribute this to him because he phrased it in a way that I I like the most. I probably got about 10 to 15 questions on what happens if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't our quarterback. Uh, 
ranging from what does Jimmy have to do for us to move on past him, uh, what other quarterbacks are out there that would be better than Jimmy G, how many win totals do we have to have for us to move on past this, if Jimmy G isn't the guy, is John Lynch fired? I mean, just so many of these questions. So here is how I pose this question to Twitter because I hate these questions, but I understand in the back of our minds we're like, man, we have a sour taste in our mouth. He didn't come out smoking hot like we thought he was going to be. Physically, he was smoking hot. Let's just, yeah, he's gorgeous. I get it. But uh, his numbers weren't great. And so I put this up on Twitter, and a lot of you guys voted, almost 500 votes, 493 votes in just 24 hours. And I said this, I love Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think great things are ahead. But how bad does 2019 need to be for you want to move on at quarterback? And again, I, I took injuries out of this because eh, whatever. So the three criteria that I put to vote on were, what if the 49ers only win zero to three games? Should we move on? Four to six games, move on. Or keep Jimmy G no matter what. I was very proud of you guys for <laughs> solidifying kind of my view on this. 52%, the vast majority said, keep Jimmy G no matter what. He is our quarterback. He's very, very young, 27 years old, uh, will be this season. He's only 26 now. A very young quarterback with a lot of potential. 31% of you said if we win zero to three games, this is the Adam Rank section. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Uh, said we need to move on if zero to three games are won, and then four to six games won, 17%. So let's jump down this rabbit hole. And I hate this, but I want to get this out of the way. And then we can focus on players and lots of other stuff. And this is the dark time. This is when questions arise and we're left with our dark thoughts at night. And we play them out. And, and so the, there is a time and a place for that, and I think it is now. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I do believe that he can be a top-10 quarterback or even better in the NFL. And so I, you can win a Super Bowl with this guy. I truly do believe that. But let's play with this. So let's say we only win zero to three games or his touchdown to interception ratio is even and whatever. So here's the deal. Let's just say you want to move on past him. So let's look at the logistics to that and the financial compensation that is associated with that. A lot of people love Nick Mullins. I love Nick Mullins. Is Nick Mullins a starting franchise caliber quarterback? Hell no. Uh, his physical limitations are well-documented, undrafted free agent, which I get it. There, You can be an undrafted free agent and be successful at the quarterback level. However, everything that Nick Mullins can do, Jimmy Garoppolo can do better. Um, and you cannot say the other way around. Nick Mullins cannot make the same passes that Jimmy Garoppolo makes. He just cannot. Physically, he can't. So if you are on the Nick Mullins bandwagon, and I love that guy, he's going to be our backup and our number two, and that's exactly what he should be. He should be a backup, and I hope that we re-sign him to a four-year deal as a backup quarterback. Nick Mullins, I think, is going to be sticking around with Kyle Shanahan for a while. I love that. So back to Jimmy Garoppolo. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, I went into this. you know, I, I do a lot of contract work and break them down, but the 49ers could walk away very cheaply away from Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that we should do that, but just the numbers themselves. When Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers came out on his contract, everybody blew their lid, and they were just all saying things like, oh my gosh, he's only played this many games, and ah. that's not how we do things. 
You know, Parag is amazing. Our financial guy, he we are the opposite of guaranteed contracts, which from a player's perspective sucks, but from an ownership and fan perspective is great. So if the 49ers decided, you know what, we want to walk away from you. There is only 4.2 million dead cap left on his deal after this year. You can walk away. Now, there's a whole bunch of money tied to him, but that's the thing. You just walk away. If you keep him under contract, yeah, you're going to be paying him. He's getting $26.6 million in 2020, $26.9 million in 2021, and $27 million in 2022. But that's only if he is on the roster. You can walk away from Jimmy Garoppolo and only pay out $4.2 million, and that's spread out over three years. So the cap hit is very minor, very, very minor. This was a very team-friendly deal with a lot of cash loaded up front for Jimmy Garoppolo, who wasn't getting paid a lot in New England because of where he was drafted. So this is a very cash-laden deal that was all up front. You remember, he got $37 million that first year. And a big reason why we did that is because we had so much extra cap room, and we still have extra cap room. Now, do I think we will walk away? Hell no. But if for some reason the world falls apart and Jimmy Garoppolo is no longer gorgeous or a good quarterback and they did have to move away, we are not tied to him financially in the future. But again, now let's come back to reality. <laughs> it's, it's funny whenever you start to do research on these questions, you start off with somebody asks a question and you'll be like, oh, I totally think this, let's do some research. Unfortunately, sometimes the research will pull you away from and I think this is a good thing, will pull you away from what your initial thoughts or actual beliefs are. And you have to struggle with that tension of, well, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be our quarterback. Financially, he doesn't have to be our quarterback. And you wrestle with that tension. Having said all those things, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be our quarterback. So then let's move on to the next question of, if not Jimmy Garoppolo, then who? It's not going to be Nick Mullins. He is an average quarterback at best. He's not the guy that's going to take you over the limit. Then there were reports coming out this week talking about Kirk Cousins could be a possibility. I cannot believe this stuff, man. I feel like writers, and again, I experience this with the companies that I write for, we still have to put out very similar content as when the football season is going on. We still have to hit our writing quotas, our word limits, and all our deadlines. Still got to get those in. They're very rough to write right now. So people are scrapping. They, they're clawing for whatever they can find. And if you can get traction, then you win. And I hate that because I, I'm, I don't want to be a clickbait guy. I don't want to be that. But I get it at the same time. So somebody puts out an article, oh, we could go for Kirk Cousins. That is total BS, man. They, you want to talk about putting Kirk Cousins in this system instead of Jimmy Garoppolo? There's so many red flags to this. One, Kirk Cousins four years older than Jimmy Garoppolo and will cost way more. You look at the contracts alone. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo signed a five-year, $137 million deal, but only $74 million was guaranteed over five years. Kirk Cousins signs a three-year, eighty. million some odd million dollar, completely guaranteed. So <laughs> he costs way more money. He's much older. And probably the biggest criticism of Kirk Cousins out there is his stats are amazing, but he is the worst big game quarterback that there is. You look at what he has performed when 
primetime games, Monday night football, seasons on the line. He is abysmal. You got to remember, the Minnesota Vikings were in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles, and they got blown out of that game. But still, that's how quality that roster was. They go and pay all this money and bring in Kirk Cousins. They miss the playoffs. Now, I'm not putting that entirely on Kirk Cousins. His numbers were great. He had 30, inter- 30 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. That's a 3-to-1 ratio. That's amazing. Statistically elite. But versus top-tier competition, he never shows up. You know, I've made a lot of money in fantasy and DFS with Kirk Cousins because if he is playing in an early game that's not nationally televised, I buy. I, I put him in almost all my lineups, especially if he's at home or in a dome. However, anytime it's a Monday night football, division opponent, um, some type of significance whatsoever, I refuse to play him no matter what. And because of that, man, it always works out well. When things are on the line, he is garbage. Now, if you look at his career stats, his career stats, he has a losing record. 34 wins, 37 losses, and two ties. That's the guy that you want to bank on? (laughs) If 49ers fans are upset with Jimmy Garoppolo now, if you had Kirk Cousins, I don't think you'd be much happier. I really don't believe that's the way to go. And, you know, staying with this theme, Adam Rank, one of the NFL.com writers and fantasy people, um, he's, I don't know, he he tries to get people riled up. He he goes on there, and they have the touch screen where he goes through the 49ers schedule, and he has this projected to only get three wins. He's just trying to piss people off. And we know that because he had an article out one month ago where he said he could see the 49ers getting 12 wins. And he outlined why they will get 12 wins. One month later, what's changed? Absolutely nothing. Um, just it, it, This is where we are. And so as we are in this dark period of time, let me just strongly suggest, if you want to feel good about your team, here's what you do. You go back and you watch game film from last year, 2018 game film. NFL Game Pass is the best way to do that. Sometimes you can get some stuff on YouTube. Let's say you don't have that. That's okay. Then what you need to do is watch highlights and game film from college of our rookies. Spend time on things that are going to teach you about the players and make you feel better about the players. Because, again, we're fans. Yeah, this is my livelihood. I I write and I record for a living. I get that. But – At the end of the day, we want to have a good time and have fun with our team because, damn it, I'm a 49ers fan, and damn it, I love this team. (laughs) There's going to be dark times, sure, but the offseason should be geared for fans to enjoy and get excited instead of all this bickering. and I I hate all the stuff about 49ers fans whining. You critique your team, I get that. I'm very critical of the front office, and I will be with the questions going forward (laughs) in today's podcast. However, when I have downtime... I want to be a fan, and so I go back and I watch games, and I see how the close games, man, how did we lose this game, and why? Did we improve on that from the previous year? I think we did. What does this translate to in the future? Man, I'm excited now. That's kind of what you need to do. So anyway, moving on to our next question. This is from Tony Meredith. He asked the question, Marcel Harris or Jaquiski Tart at strong safety? Now, couple questions or a couple caveats before we jump into this. It's been well documented this offseason about how we are switching from a traditional cover three with a single high safety predominantly to a little bit more of a two safety look. 
Um, it's still going to be a modified cover three. It's not going to be a true cover four where both safeties and both corners are responsible for the deep quarters. It's still, we just, it, the safeties are going to be a little bit more interchangeable. So uh, it's not going to be clearly defined. So you kind of have to throw that strong safety mentality out there, which hurts Marcel Harris greatly in this debate. So let's go through and let's focus just on Tart versus Marcel Harris. So, Jaquiski Tart is absolutely elite. And the problem with that is he's not consistent. If you put Tart's highlights up, he's unbelievable. You string together his highlights, and I've said this many a times, his splash plays are remarkable. His interception last year was just bananas. The problem is his mistakes are also elite. He has the biggest up and down um game film that there is it's just all that you put to it you know pro football focus they graded him as a 66 which is not good that's not starter quality he had 36 tackles five missed tackles that's not great 28 targets were uh, he was targeted 28 times by fellow uh, by opposing quarterbacks he allowed 21 receptions that's a 75 percent completion percentage that's awful he allowed two touchdowns on 28 targets that's awful um now Let's go to the other side. He had one interception, one pass deflection, and one penalty against him on defense. Those are decent numbers. You can live with that. But he allowed 105.7 passer rating against. That is not good. And I will say this outside of, you know, Richard Sherman and Quan Williams, the rest of our secondary, very similar numbers. We gave up a ridiculous amount of passer rating against us outside of those two uh, secondary players. Now, let's jump to Harris. He played about 90 snaps less. So he played 358 total snaps as opposed to Tart's 437 snaps. So a little bit smaller sample size, plus we have Tart from previous years. So we kind of know who he is, his ceiling and his floor. Harris a little bit different. He got scored with a 40 from Pro Football Focus, which is about as bad a grade as you could possibly get. He had 27 tackles, 8 missed tackles. That's abysmal. Uh, one of the worst graded tacklers, according to Pro Football Focus, in the entire NFL. That's not just for a uh, secondary player or safety. That's one of the worst for the entire NFL. He was targeted 15 times by opposing quarterbacks, allowed 11 receptions, for a 73% catch percentage, two touchdowns allowed on only 11 receptions. That's awful. Zero interceptions. He did get one pass deflection. Two penalties for 127.8 passer rating against. Now, the last thing that I have in my mind is versus the Rams game where Kittle broke the all-time record for receiving yards for a tight end. Uh, don't think that record's going to last. I think he will break that at least once or twice more in his career. But uh, somebody else might break it as well. Kelsey definitely is going to be in contention this year. But uh, regardless of that, that game, Rams versus 49ers. Yeah, I was sit. You know, I, I live in LA. I was at the game, and I was sitting kind of in close to the end zone. And as you watch Jared Goff, and you go back and you know see this on game film, the read on almost every single play was Marcel Harris. They keyed off of him and picked him apart, no matter what he did, which is saying a lot because we had some rough cornerback play in that in that game. 
But the weakest link was Marcel Harris. They completely obliterated this guy. So this is something that he's going to have to fix. I do not believe that Marcel Harris is a starting safety in this league, given it was his first year of play. You know, he fought through his injury, all that kind of stuff. I get it. But he's got a pretty low floor. <laughs> um, and so he's going to have to work on some stuff. Now, this safety position is by far the worst position in the 49ers roster. So there's going to have to be somebody's going to have to step up. Uh, preferably, it would be Tart. But Harris, if Harris is starting, this defense is going to be in big-time trouble because he is just not technically sound. He's just not there yet. All right, next question from Devin G. Uh, first, he starts off with a comment, which I'm going to read selfishly, um, selfishly, just because it made me happy. I'm obsessed with your podcast. I wait around daily to see if you completed it. Keep it up. My question relates to pass rush versus defensive back drama. Clearly, our front office has decided that our problem with our abysmal pass defense was our pass rush. Um, as that's what they drafted into and push for in free agency. Do you think that this strategy is sound and will help out our pass defense, or do you believe that defensive backs need to be upgraded before we have top pass rush defense? Uh, so thank you, Devin. This is a great question. And it, it's it's funny because traditional metrics and value systems in the NFL, it goes like this, and I, I, I'm a victim of it. I'll be really honest with you. Quarterback tier one, pass rush tier two, tier three, offensive tackles. Now we have to adjust that to left and right tackle. It's no longer just a left tackle league. And cornerbacks. I think I'm going to adjust my tiered system that I, I've preached for a long time. Cornerbacks have to be brought up into that second tier. So the new tier for me personally, quarterbacks by themselves, pass rush and corners, Tier two, third tier is going to be offensive tackles. Then tier four and below is really whatever position. I, I don't think there's really much outside of that. You could talk about wide receiver. You talk about whatever. Um, I don't want to get into that, but let's stay on this question. It's kind of the chicken before the egg concept because our front office, you are correct. Uh, they seem to have decided we cannot fix both of these this offseason. We're going to focus on one and we are going to correct the absolute absence <laughs> of pass rush and we are going to go completely pass rush heavy we trade a future second round pick and pay a top tier contract to d ford then with our second overall pick we go get bosa so you take the biggest deficiency perhaps on your defense uh, edge pass rusher and you bring in two top tier talents you know, D Ford, absolutely incredible last year. And then Bosa, my number one player in the draft this year. That's awesome. Completely abandon and choose to do absolutely nothing in the secondary. The only thing that you can argue we did was bringing in Jason Verrett at the cornerback position, which I love Jason Verrett. However, three consecutive seasons in a row of season-ending injuries, and two of which happened during training camp or uh, offseason, so he didn't even play a snap. So you can't bet on him. I love the risk play. I love the signing. However, just leaving that alone, man, that safety position is a giant void. So you have this idea. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan seem to be saying, we're fixing the pass rush. We can fix the pass rush. We're fixing it. And we're just going to see what happens with the secondary. 
the opposing school of thought, you can find in New England. Bill Belichick, he is the number one person that believes in secondary over all else. You know, since Bill Belichick stepped in as the general manager coach for the Patriots, he has drafted more corners in the first round than any other team by a two-to-one ratio. Um, and you can even look in the second, er, the offseason, what he always does. He'll allow pass rushers to walk out the door. Traded Richard Seymour early on in his career. Allow Trey Flowers to walk. See you later, buddy. Uh, Chris Long, you're good. Walk out the door. Doesn't matter. He will allow those guys to leave all the time. However, the people that he does not allow to leave are cornerbacks. Um, now, you could say Malcolm Butler. That was after some major issues, so I think that's a little bit of a, I don't know, an outlier there. They go sign Stephen Gilmore to a top contract and keep him. They draft corners like crazy. They believe in the back end, and it matches what they do on offense as well. If you watch what New England does, their number one job on offense is no turnovers, get the ball out quick. That's it. We're going to run the ball like crazy. No turnovers. Get the ball out quick. Anytime Tom Brady's about to get hit, he'll duck his head, turn away, and throw the ball away more than any other quarterback in the NFL. And so this makes his passing complete, uh, passing complete, I can't say that word. Good Lord. Completion percentage, uh, awful. But what doesn't happen is he doesn't get sacked and he doesn't throw interceptions. So he just minimizes those things. And if you go back to what they were able to do against, you know, the Eagles or the Patriots on offense, it just snap, 1,001,002 pass. Snap, 1,001,002 pass. Tom Brady can't throw it deep anymore. And so they have these mirroring principles on offense and defense that is, we're going to make it hard for you to get the ball out quick because we have elite corners. And on offense, we're going to get the ball out super quick and neutralize your pass rush. So, to answer your question, Devin, um, I am very happy that we have agreed to address one of these things and make them literally a top elite caliber thing in the NFL with pass rush. However, um, you know, if I had to go back, and this might piss some people off, but I'm going to be honest here, I do wish we could have reused our second round pick on a cornerback or a safety. I really do. There were safeties and corners that were there. Uh, that we could have got just fine and would have started day one and solidified our secondary instead of going Debo Samuel, who I love. I absolutely love Debo Samuel. This is the idea of economics and scarcity and opportunity cost and all those things. But if I knew we were going to get Jalen Hurd in the third round, I would have much preferred to get a corner or safety in the second round personally. But uh, here we are. So we got to stay with what we got. And John Lynch is betting his job on this. I really believe it. Robert Saleh is betting his job on this. I do not think that Kyle Shanahan is up in any type of jeopardy whatsoever, regardless of what happens this year. But I do think that the defensive coordinator and general manager have a little bit more tension on them than the rest of the team or rest of the coaching staff. So take that for what you want. Before I move on to our next question and odds based on the NFL and Caesars Palace, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, Game Day Sports and Memorabilia. These guys have been with us for a very long time, and they are just absolutely incredible. It doesn't matter what you need. You know, Father's Day just ended. I got me myself some 49ers stuff, and that was just an absolute blast. But if you need something, they have right now an autographed George Kittle jersey for 200 bucks and it looks amazing 
they have so much stuff on there. Ronnie Lott, autographed jersey, $139. Roger Craig, 90 bucks for a signed Roger Craig jersey. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, head over there, game day sports memorabilia, whatever it is you need, all your 49ers needs or any sports needs, they have you covered. All right, back to the question, Satchel. That's hilarious. Uh, from Chris. Um, thanks for using my Mr. Glass term about Jimmy Ward last month. Appreciate that. My question is about Robbie Gold. Gold is holding out of mandatory mandatory minicamp. Should the 49ers give him a three-year, $15 million contract? It would be like $10 million guaranteed. Man, what do we do with this guy? He even cites Le'Veon Bell holding out last year. Should the 49ers be worried Gold will hold out for the rest of the season? Um, again, love your podcast. Thank you so much, man. Really appreciate that, Chris. Here's the deal. If you listen to my statistical breakdown of offense, uh, which I did, I think it was two episodes ago. You can go back and listen to that. I projected Robbie Gold, if he played, to have 26 field goals made on 29 attempts. He's going to miss three. Um, and Jonathan Brown, right now, the backup kicker that we have, going 21 of 29. That's a 15-point difference spread out over the course of a season. Um, what does that mean? I think that's a difference between two games, at least. Especially with our offensive woes and our red zone, how terrible we have been in the red zone. Kicker is very, very important. So, if we look at the 49ers cap space, we've got money to do this. Do you want to negotiate with a kicker or not, I think is the main question. Because what type of precedent will this set with the front office moving forward. You brought up Le'Veon Bell. Well, what happened? Le'Veon Bell said, screw it. You guys have made me have 400 plus touches each year. You're ruining my career. I'm out of it. I don't care. So he sits out. The Steelers made their choice. Then you've got Antonio Brown drama. They've made their choice. We are not going to side with players. And it didn't work out for him either time. If you are wanting to set that type of precedent with your roster now, look, we're not dealing with holdouts and all these things. Why not make that stance against a kicker? <laughs> it seems pretty cheap to just be like, hey, yeah, we're not doing this, guys. If you don't want to play, you don't have to play. And the Bears, there's no doubt that the Bears and Robbie Gold have been very forthright in saying we want to be back together. Robbie Gold is where he's from. It's where his family lives. He wants to go back to Chicago. They are a playoff team, all those things. That's where he wants to be. The Bears are going to have to pay up. I think the 49ers are just fine with Robbie Gold sitting out of the NFL for 2019. I hate to say that. I love Robbie Gold. He was our captain last year. Um, but he's very old, and he wants to kind of retire as a Brown or as a Bear. I get it. So if, if I'm the 49ers, I'm saying, look, we want a fifth-round pick. You give us a fifth-round pick, and you can have them. But I don't think that they will. Um, there's just no reason to do that. How, how, having said that, if they would have had Robbie Gold last year, the Bears would have made it out of the first round of the playoffs, no doubt. So if he sits out, fine. Set that precedent for your team. This is not what we're doing. But hopefully he signs because, again, 15 points, that's two-game difference. That's the difference between 9-7 and seven or a 7-9 and nine team. That's the difference between 8 and 10 or a 10 and 18. That's playoffs. So hopefully he comes out, but I don't think you move off the franchise tag. Um, maybe it, just because we have the space, we could pay him a little bit, but I don't know. He, he kind of set the stage for what he's going to do, unfortunately. 
Um, from Brett Rumbat, a uh, fellow contributor at 49ers Hub. Make sure to give this guy a follow at B-R-U-M-B-E-C-K. So Broom Beck. Uh, follow this guy. He is legit. One of my favorite guys that contributes over there. He asked a question. Thoughts on Sean Coleman playing in Shanahan's offense? Now, Sean Coleman's interesting because we traded for him last year as a backup swing tackle. However, he was kept on our 53 roster. He was just never activated, never played a snap, and he was never able to beat out um, Gilliam, our awful swing tackle last year. So the fact that he never got a snap in is very telling, I think. And then we go on and draft Justin School. He has to be the favorite as of now. So if you look at the 49ers roster, it's kind of scary because only Joe Staley and McGlinchey are the only tackles to take a snap in the entire NFL last year that are on our roster. So everybody on our roster outside of those two guys took zero snaps last year in actual games. So this is a major concern. I do not think Sean Coleman is going to make the roster this time because um, I think that's Justin School's job to lose. So my swing order, my 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 depth chart order for swing tackle, um, the backup to our starters, Justin School. I got Sean Coleman second. Then after that, we got two uh, younger players that I think are practice squad candidates as well. Christian Deloro, and then Daniel Brunskill. So either of those two guys. And then we got Willie Beavers, who um, was a big-time draft prospect a few years ago but just has not panned out. But anyway, I really do think Justin School is going to be the guy. I think Sean Coleman's going to be uh, waived. He's going to be cut, I think. All right, from JG, he asks, who will have the most sacks in 2019 for the 49ers? All right, this is a great question, and this is a tough question. In the past, it was always easy. It was, oh, it's going to be DeForest Buckner, who had 12 last year. I do think that DeForest Buckner wins it again. So if we step back real quick, the 49ers were 22nd in the league with only 37 sacks last year. I think that is going to be dramatically improved. Um, 52 was the league lead. I don't think we're going to get there, but if we have that, I think 45 is a legit sack total for us this year. And again, um, sack numbers are great. Uh, pressures were abysmal for the 49ers. So I think this is one of those things that can be, um, be helped a lot. Yeah. John Lynch spoke about in one of his most recent, uh, press conferences, he said, you know, we did a study on the most like fast, quick pass attacks in the NFL. And sure enough, we were near the bottom with how teams approached us. So a lot of teams just had a real quick pass attack against our defense. They didn't have to because our pressures were so low. Uh, that's going to change. That's going to be the dramatic change. The sack numbers, I don't think are going to be as drastic as just watching the film and getting the feel for how quick the ball is coming out or going to have to come out because if not, there are going to be a lot of sacks. So um, my projected sack total, I have DeForest Buckner with 11, so down one from last year. D Ford had 13 last year, I have him getting 10. Bosa, rookie, I have him getting 9. So 11, 10, 9. This three-headed beast of pass rush is what I want, and I think we're going to have it. It's, it's going to be a thing of beauty where we will be able to see DeForest Buckner's going to have a two-sack game, and Ford and Bosa won't have anything. Then there's going to be Defoe's going to have a no-sack game, and Bosa's going to have two. It's going to be a matchup 
feast or famine, but one of these guys is going to have a damn game almost every week. I, I really feel that way. Then if we move to kind of the second-tier players, I have Solomon Thomas getting four sacks. That would be awesome. He only had one last year. Move him inside. Let's see what he can do. Uh, Eric Armstead had three. I think that number should stay the same. Might go down because I think his snaps are going to go down consistently. Uh, Ronald Blair had five and a half last year. I think three. Quan Alexander, I have him getting two. DJ Reed getting one. Um, you know, some of our secondary guys are going to get kind of between that two to four. Uh, Richard Sherman had a sack last year, things like that. So I could see us getting around that 45 number, and I'd be really happy with that. I, I really do think that that would be pretty special. So last part about today's podcast, let's go through and let's break down some odds. Uh, this is from Jeff. Give out your prediction for team awards, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Offense, Defense, Comeback Player of the Year, all these things. So here we go. MVP, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's got to be Jimmy Garoppolo, right? If the 49ers have a successful season and make the playoffs, Jimmy G's got to be the guy to get us there. Now, based on Caesar's odds, so all these odds I list are for the entire NFL. He is a 40-1 to odds to win the MVP for the entire NFL. He's 14th best as of now. So you can see exactly where they see him to be statistically. Now, Offensive Player of the Year, it's got to be George Kittle. Um, That guy, if you could give the tight end to a rookie, I I think he is well-deserving. He is unbelievable. The best tight end in the league after only two years in the league is just insane so uh defensive player of the year buckner um i'm still sticking to that i have him getting the most sacks he will be the snap leader of our defense him and fred warner he is the iron man of all defensive linemen in the nfl he is a 60 to 1 chance of winning defensive player of the year Quan alexander is second with 80 to 1 d4 90 to 1 and nick bosa the rookie 150 to 1 so if you're wanting to go put down a crazy bet for defensive player of the year you can make some money on that um although i would probably hold off those defensive player of the year usually has a lot to do with name recognition which unfortunately buckner hasn't received i think he's one of the most underrated players in the entire nfl and it's not close now um, offensive rookie of the year just for 49ers Debo Samuel I think it has to be him the fact that he is going to be a day one starter in two wide receiver sets I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty special now Jalen Hurd is a little bit behind him but based off of Caesars again offense NFL offensive rookie of the year Debo has 17 to 1 odds he's the eighth favored prospect and Jalen Hurd is at 45 to one odds uh Debo's not a bad play there to be honest with you it's it's not a stretch to say he could be the number one wide receiver in our offense I think it's going to be Pettis but there's a chance it could be Debo maybe he does catch fire defensive rookie of the year much better odds Joey Bosa oh gosh man I gotta keep doing that Nick Bosa has seven to one odds which are the best odds uh, he is the favorite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, according to Caesars already. Uh, so 7-1 to odds on there. Comeback Player of the Year, I think it's going to be Jason Verrett. If that kid plays, he will start every single game for the 49ers opposite of Richard Sherman. I believe that. Total wins, they have us projected at 8.5. So that 8 is the over-under, that 8-9, to nine, which puts us as a bubble playoff team. 
Now, Super Bowl winner, <laughs> they have us at 35 to 1 odds, which is 17th best in the NFL. So we are right at that mid tier point. You can see with the projected win totals, right at the midpoint. Super Bowl odds, right at the midpoint. But um, yeah, it's what it is. It's what it is. Now, NFC champions winning the entire NFC, we are 18 to 1 odds or the 10th best. So take that for what you want. And NFC champs, to win the NFC West champs, sorry about that, we are 5-1 to one odds. So we are third behind the Rams and the Seahawks. So that gives you a little snapshot of where the money uh, projects the 49ers to do. And I'm kind of in agreement with those. I really do think 9-7 and seven would be a success. I, I, I would be very, very happy going from four wins to nine wins. Um, take that for what you want. Now, next episode... It's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be doing a joint podcast with NFL Express and at host Chuck B. You know, I'm over there all the time. If you want to go hit subscribe to that, we just talk NFL stuff. It's not fantasy. It's not 49ers specific. It is the entire NFL, and we are doing our divisional breakdowns. So what we will be doing with our next podcast is breaking down the NFC West and ranking each individual position group, one, two, three, or four, just between the NFC West. So we'll do quarterbacks, all right? Who has the best quarterbacks? And we'll rank them. Who has the best running backs? Who has the best offensive line? We'll go entire offense, entire defense, tally those results, and predict our winners by doing that. So stay tuned and stay strong, faithful. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.